Well, good evening and welcome to Covenant Hope Church. My name is Shannel. If you want to stand and uh, we're going to sing our first carol together, O Come All Ye Faithful, you'll find that on page three. Join with us, sing aloud, for Christ is born. Welcome and good evening. Welcome to this gathering of Covenant Hope Church and our first ever, ever Christmas carol service. Uh, this year we've been saying a lot of first evers before we do things and it's been amazing, an amazing year so far. My name is Brian Parks and I'm the senior pastor here at the church. We want to extend an extra special welcome to you if you're a visitor to Covenant Hope Church. Please feel welcomed. We want to get to know you. Maybe you're a friend or a family member and they brought you, uh, we're thrilled that you're here with us. 
Please stay afterwards and let us get to know you better. Uh, you could see maybe when you walked in the door this incredible spread of cookies and refreshments afterwards, and those need to be taken care of. <laughs> so please stay with us. Let us get to know you. Before we continue, I have just two announcements. First of all, we meet every Friday morning at 11 a.m. to worship God through singing, through prayer, through the reading of Scripture, through hearing Bible truths preached to us, and we want you to join us. But next week, Friday, December 22nd, we'll begin meeting in a different place. We won't be here. We're going to be meeting in a very large villa that's in Um Sakim. It's not very far from here, and there is a map in your bulletin on page 18. So if you're prone to a little bit of forgetfulness, you might not remember, and you would tend to maybe show up in this place instead, I would encourage you to just pop this in the boot of your car and pull it out when you come here next week and there's no one here. And then you can drive on and over and join us uh, there at the villa. Now, there's one note about this particular villa. Um, since it is a villa, there won't be enough parking spaces on the street where the villa is situated. So you'll need to park in the grocery store that's very close by or the school parking lots that are very close by and then walk on over. If you have folks with you who need to be dropped off, that's fine. You can drop them off there. But please do park in the surrounding area. I wouldn't recommend parking in the mosque parking lot because you might not be able to get out after the search service is over. Second of all, we're going to be having a Christmas open house on December 25th at my home, which also doubles as the Covenant Hope Church offices. And we're going to be welcoming people from between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m. that day. Please bring a snack to share if you come and join us for uh, any amount of time during that day. And we're going to have a short devotional and a little bit of singing at 8 p.m. that night. So if you want to pick a spot between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m., that might be a good time to come and join us. If you'd like directions to that, please fill out the information sheet that's on the inside back page of your bulletin, and we'll send you directions, or you can ask any member of the church about how to get to that villa in Jumeirah too. Well, if you've never been to a Christmas carol service, or maybe even to a church service for that matter, you should know that Christians love to sing. We sing five to six, maybe even sometimes seven songs every time we gather for church on Friday mornings. We sing because God commands us to sing. We sing some songs that express uh, deep sadness or deep longings that we experience and how God meets us in those sadnesses and longings. We also sing songs that express great joy about what we believe God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And we're going to be singing more about that tonight. We won't be singing Frosty the Snowman. We're not going to be singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Those are okay to sing, I suppose, but we're not going to sing those here tonight. We sing about God and the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we sing about. Listen carefully to the words of the songs. There may be some things that you don't understand, and I would encourage you to investigate that. Figure out what it is in that song what is it teaching? Talk to any one of us after the service. We'd love to talk to you about the words to the songs. We'll also be reading lots of the Bible in between the songs that we're singing this evening. The scripture passage that you hear this evening are going to be scattered from the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, just the third chapter of Genesis, in fact, all the way to closer to the end of the Bible. And those passages all 
point to Jesus and the good news about him that we can have our sins forgiven through him and therefore be able to love and worship God as he intends us to. So let's quiet our hearts and minds and prepare to sing and listen to his word tonight. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. Well, we're beginning with two passages of Scripture this evening, and they're both from the Old Testament. Joanna Matthew will read to us about the devastating thing that happened in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. They sinned, and we have sinned as well. But listen carefully to God's final word to the serpent. It's a word of hope for us. And then Ramil Cervantes will come next and read from the book of Isaiah. There are more words of hope from God. How would God make things right? Who would he send? Turn with me to page four in your bulletins and follow along as they read. Genesis 3, 8 to 15. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Isaiah 11, 1 to 5. There shall come forth a shoot from the stamp of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins.
God gave his people leaders and he gave them his rules and his commandments, but still they couldn't be faithful to the covenant, to the special relationship that he had formed with them. And so God promised that one day he would come and rule his people himself. He would put his commandments and a desire to keep them in their hearts. We'll sing beginning on page five. Please stand with me. Come thou long. Come thou long expectant Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Captain. 
shall come to thee, O Israel.
Please be seated. God was doing something mighty and unexpected. Even the prophecies seemed confusing. Would God come in power to conquer his enemies like some of the scriptures seem to promise? And if so, why did the prophecies speak of a child coming? How could a child establish a kingdom greater than King David or King Solomon? God would come to his people in the most surprising of ways and in the most surprising of places and to the most surprising of families. Read along with Leachie Jensen as she reads from the book of Isaiah. And then also Sarah Jackson will read to us from the book of Luke. These are on page 8 in your bulletin. And immediately after that, we'll continue singing about God's amazing surprise beginning on page 9. That's immediately after that. Please stand with me now during the readings, and then we'll continue in song. Reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, 
Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What child? What child is this who lays to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, who shepherds God and angels
Please be seated. Jesus was born a king, but born in a stable with animals and everything else that you find in a stable. It wasn't a typical king's birth, but he was a king, descended from King David, in fact, and born according to the mysterious prophecies that were given in the scriptures. And though the angels trumpeted his birth and the lowly and humble beginning of his life, would ensure that the mystery of God coming near to save his people would be unfolded slowly over time. But nothing can stop God's plan. Follow along with us, with Jason Bisnar, in fact, as he reads from Luke 2, 1 through 7. Turn to page 11 in your bulletin and you can follow along with him. And then we'll sing the songs on pages 12 and 13. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. 
in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Stand with us as we sing from the squalor of a borrowed stable. And the shame of scandal came the savior of the human race. But the skies were filled with the praise of hell. Shepherds listen as the angels tell of the gift of God come down to them at the dawning of Emmanuel. Of a friend's betrayal, he 
Ms. Andu will now read to us the first announcement of this new king's birth from a surprising choir to a surprised group of shepherds. And after that, Jason Thomas will come and teach us from that passage of Scripture. You can follow along as she reads on page 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and, and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Good evening, everyone. What a joy it is to gather together for our very first Christmas carol service at Covenant Hope. My name is Jason Thomas, and I'm a member here at Covenant Hope. I want to again especially welcome those of you who are here for the first time, or even first ever Christmas carol service. We're so glad that you're here. Hope that this evening is encouraging and that you're able to learn more about Jesus' birth and why we as Christians celebrate it. One of my fondest memories growing up was the birth of my sisters. First, I was told that I'll have a sister, and she was born. And then a couple of years again, my parents said I was going to have another sister. And as a five-year-old, what could bring me more joy than to have two siblings to play with? It was such a wonderful time for us as a family. Every child that is born changes the lives of those that are around them, like parents, siblings, grandparents. After my sisters were born, our lives were changed completely, certainly for the better. As the older brother, I had to work out how to share my toys. I had increased responsibilities of babysitting them. I had to share my seat on a motorbike when we went out. Even through those changes, it was a joyous time. Births are celebrated differently depending on the culture you come from. Some have very simple celebrations. Others have extravagant celebrations. In India, where I'm originally from, when a family has a baby, neighbors come over, relatives come over. There's lots of food, lots of sweets. That's how we celebrate in India. I asked, some, I asked some of my friends yesterday on how they celebrate new births in their family. So in Brazil, the mom of the baby gives gifts to those who visit her. In Singapore, parents celebrate a full moon party when the baby is one month old. The, babies receives, the baby receives a red hard-boiled egg, which is a symbol of promising new life with all its fullness. And some have very flashy celebrations, like in China. A businessman bought over 30 Rolls Royce cars just to pick up his guests for his party. He spent over $42 million to celebrate the birth of his firstborn child. Different people in different cultures celebrate the birth of their newborns in different ways. Birth of a child, though it brings many changes to the life of the family, it still is a very special moment for everyone, no matter where you're from. Christmas is the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who was born 2,000 years ago. After his birth, everything changed. The world has never been the same. The celebration on that day was out of this world. The heavens exploded with heavenly angelic beings. No birth in history has had or will ever have a celebration quite like that one. 
The question is, why is there so much joy at this birth? Why have the celebrations continued for 2,000 years? And by the looks of it, it's, it's not going to stop. Our passage for today is going to answer these questions. My prayer for us today, as we hear from Luke 2, is that we would rejoice, that we would be glad at the news of Jesus' birth, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray to that end. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you that you speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would allow us to see the glorious Jesus. Help us to pay attention to the message that the angels brought. Give us eyes to see your beauty and help us to respond in humility. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We just heard the reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And we saw that Caesar had passed a decree that caused people all over Israel to go back to their ancestral homes. This included Joseph and his wife, Mary, who was with the child. And we're also told that Joseph is from King David's lineage. Joseph and Mary had to go back to their town, which is Bethlehem. And once they got there, Mary gave birth to her child. As we read this, we can already feel that God has his hand in this, and he's doing something very big. Let's look at our passage for today that Thelma read for us, which is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. It's on page 14 in your bulletin, and if you're using the Bible from the welcome table, it's on page 500. It'll help you to look through the passage as we go through the text. And this is a very familiar Christmas story that we often hear. So in our text, we're introduced to a group of shepherds who are doing their job. They're watching their sheep. This job is probably not something that people covet. As it involves working with sheep, they're dirty, they're difficult, probably they're not the smartest of animals. Working with sheep also meant that shepherds had to look for the right pasture to feed their flock. And sometimes they would have to pull a few all-nighters. We're also told that this angel of the Lord that appears to these shepherds, can you imagine what that scene would have been like? Back in the day, they didn't have any street lamps. It was just them, the stars, the, the moon, and just open fields. And suddenly, an angel appears. It must have been a frightening sight when the angel appeared with the glory of the Lord that shone all around them. And this response is actually very consistent with all the other people that have met angels in the Bible. It's a terrifying situation. Now, a lot of people think of an angel as a baby with wings and a halo on his head and floating on the clouds, as cartoons inform us. That couldn't be farther from the truth. This was a tremendous heavenly creature. Now we see the angel of the Lord met with the shepherds with the message. Now, if there's a message from God, and if the Son of God is being born, I would expect, or one would expect, the angel would go to the temple to talk to the religious leaders or the important folks, the political or people of noble status, and give this grand announcement. But it seems like God's economy is upside down. 
compared to that of the world's expectation. It's not the noblest of people who receive this message. It's the lowly, it's the ordinary shepherds. So this message is just not for a particular kind of people, it's for all people according to verse 10. This message is for all of us, you and me included. And as we look at the interaction between the angel and the shepherds, as expected, they're terrified. The first thing that the angel does is quieten their fear by telling them that the message he has brought is, not, is of great joy and not of fear. It is important to know that because joy is not the absence of fear. Joy is not a byproduct of the removal of everything that is bad. But rather, joy is something that comes in, it overpowers fear, and eradicates it. Joy is a positive emotion. It is a positive reality. It is known in experience, the experience of delighting in God and His promises, no matter what the situation is. The message the angels have brought is a message that these shepherds will experience and delight in, and it will eradicate all their fears. So, it is of utmost importance for us to understand this message and know the depths of this message so that we too can have this joy and delight in God. So let's pay attention to the message that the angels bring. We're told that this is, there's an event that took place in the city of David in verse 11, which is Bethlehem. This is interesting, as we heard the passages from Isaiah earlier, it was prophesied from the stump of Jesse, from David's lineage, will come one who will continue on David's throne. And his kingdom will never end. It will last forever. And we see how God was working even through the decree that was passed through Caesar. It caused Joseph and Mary to return to Bethlehem. And the child that Mary was carrying was born there. The Israelites have been waiting for the day when the prophecy of the promised one will be fulfilled. And that day is finally here after centuries. This is such tremendous news. The news that the angels bring in verse 11 is, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. This child is a savior. Now a savior is someone who saves people, he rescues people from trouble, danger, or even death. We are told in the second part of verse 14 that this child, this savior, is going to bring peace on earth. Now, peace is often thought of as the absence of war or conflict. That is true, but peace is much deeper and much more profound than that. It refers to a state of being whole or complete. When we look at Genesis 3, Adam and Eve were in perfect communion with God. They were whole, they were complete, they were at peace with God and with each other. But when they sinned against God, everything changed. Sin is just not the bad things we do or the things that we think about. Sin is much more than that. It is our rebellion 
against the holy and righteous God. So when Adam and Eve rebelled, it led to enmity. It led to hostility. It also led to mistrust and strife with each other. So you see, when they rebelled against God, everything fell apart. And that state of peace and wholeness was broken. And we heard in Genesis 3 earlier that God promised Adam and Eve a serpent crusher who would restore man back to God to be whole and to be complete. And Isaiah called this serpent crusher the Prince of Peace. The birth of this child would bring about the restoration of that peace. And that's why the angels in verse 14 proclaim peace on earth. As we continue reading through Luke and the New Testament, we see that Jesus reconciled all things in heaven and on earth by making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross and proved all that he said to be true by crushing death itself when he rose from the grave. Now, everyone who experiences this peace through Jesus becomes a part of the same family. Now, now everyone unite under this bond of peace. So peace is just not the absence of war or conflict. It is taking something that's broken and restoring it. What does this mean for you, Christian? This means that you should take an initiative to strengthen your bonds with other Christians, especially those of your church family. And during this Christmas season, when many are here without their immediate families, why not take the initiative to welcome others into your home? I want to encourage you families, singles, newly married couples, youth, to consider what this would look like to be a family and to strengthen your relationship with one another. Another thing we see in verse 14 is that this offer of peace is for everyone, but is experienced by only those who believe and accept it. It says, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This peace is only received if this child is received and for the purpose for which he came, which is to save a wicked humanity. If you're a non-Christian here, we're so glad that you're here with us. Nothing brings us more joy than to be able to celebrate and tell you of the birth of Jesus and why he came. This peace is available to you. If you want to enjoy this peace, first step, do you recognize that you're living a life that is apart from God and apart from the peace that he offers? Do you recognize that you need to be saved? You need to be saved from your sin and need to be made whole through a savior. If you do realize that, I wanna, I wanna ask you not to delay. Ask the Lord to give you this peace of knowing him and entering his kingdom where Jesus is king. So we see that this baby that's born is the savior. And he's gonna save people from their sin. But that's not all. The angel says, this child is the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. Jesus Christ, he's the long-awaited Messiah, the one, the anointed one. In him, all the prophecies and promises of God are fulfilled. 
the angel also says that this child is the Lord. In our passage, one of the most repeated words is the Lord. Look with me in verse 9. The angel of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. Verse 15, which the Lord has made known to us. Here, every use of the word Lord is referring to God. And in verse 11, when the angel refers to Jesus as Lord, Luke is drawing our attention as he identifies Jesus as God himself. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the master, the ruler, and he will reign over all the world. So this child who is born is the savior. This child is the Christ. This child is the Lord. The angel gives these shepherds a sign that they will find a baby in Bethlehem in swaddling cloths in a manger. Again, we see God's economy being upside down compared to that of the world's expectation. The Savior, the Christ, the Lord of this world is being born in a feeding trough of animals. There is no grandeur to this place, the place where the Son of God is born. This already gives us a glimpse of what Jesus' earthly ministry will look like. His ministry will be to the unworthy, to the outcast, and to the unwanted. And now, this is such an incredible news because none of us here can say that we're good or we're righteous. There isn't an ounce of goodness in us that would draw God's attention to us and that he would save us. How kind and gracious is this God that he would send a savior to rescue a wicked humanity? What is the right response to this message that the angels bring? Well, in our text, we see two good responses to the message. First is from the angels. The announcement has been made to the shepherds that this amazing, joyful news of the birth of Jesus in the foretold city of Bethlehem, and immediately the heavenly hosts explode in praising God. They could not hold it in but worship God. Earlier it was one angel and it was scary. Now imagine an entire army of angels arriving there. What a sight that must have been. Angels' response shows us that the birth of this child will bring God the highest glory in verse 14. As the pastor says it, there is no better way to sum up what God is all about when he created the world or when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ. His glory is for our peace. His greatness is for our joy. His beauty is for our pleasure. The point of creation and redemption is that God would be seen as glorious. The work of this redemption happened through the cross. We celebrate because of Jesus' death and resurrection. The cross is the reason for this season. If you remove the cross, Christmas becomes meaningless. It is on the cross that we see ultimate glory of God and peace to mankind that the angels point to. So Christian, How's your heart when you read this passage? Every year, Christmas season comes and goes. It's so easy to go through the motions. In your celebrations and festivities of Christmas this year, 
Don't miss Christ. Are you rejoicing now? Is your heart jumping for joy? Heavenly hosts couldn't contain it. They exploded in worship in this passage. Is your heart content with God's glory above all things? Is God's glory the highest of value in your heart? So we see the heavens broke open with the army of angels rejoicing and praising God. And the second response is from the shepherds. The shepherd's response was to believe and know more about this message and this child. They acted quickly. There was no delay. It wasn't like, let's go tomorrow and check it out. It was then and there. This message required an immediate response. If you're not a believer of Jesus, I want to encourage you to seek more and don't be comfortable with your life apart from Christ. If you don't understand this message, it's okay. But come with a soft heart instead of a skeptical one. And for you, Christian, don't be satisfied with the little that you know. Seek him more and more. Rejoice and be glad that you know this Savior and that you have received this peace. Take time out this Christmas to study and explore and ponder on this work of God in sending his son to become a man, to make you whole and complete in him. And it was only made possible for you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we see that the news of Jesus' birth is for all people. And this message is meant to bring us great and awesome joy if we believe that Jesus is the Savior and He's able to make us whole and complete by restoring our relationship with God. Let us pay careful attention to the message of Christ, God who became man to save humanity. And let us rejoice and be glad in this message. Pray with me. Lord, our hearts are filled with praise and great joy for who you are. You are a kind and gracious and loving God. We thank you for sending your son, the Prince of Peace, the Savior, the Christ, our Lord, who makes us whole and complete and gives us his peace. Let us ponder and explore the depth of these truths, Lord, especially during this Christmas season. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The next two songs can be found on page 16 and 17. Let us continue worshiping our King through song. Please stand. Yeah. 
Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Go in peace.